So we think that in the future, five, 10 years from now, in the world of faster payments or real-time payments and a world of you know, uh, multi-payment rails, there has to be one entity which you know, uh, connects all these rails, takes on the fraud risk, and you know, uh, it, uh, essentially makes the customer experience much better. Hey everybody, Tanner here with Wagme Ventures. On today's episode, we have Soups Ranjan, co-founder and CEO of Sardine. For anyone who's new, this is the Wagme Ventures podcast where we do snapshots with interesting founders from across Web3. Check out wagmeventures.io to learn more about the syndicate behind the podcast. But for now, let's get into it with Soups from Sardine. All right. Hey, everybody. I'm here with Soups Ranjan, co-founder and CEO of Sardine. Soups, how's it going today? Going well. Thank you. How's your morning going? Yeah, it's been well. I'm excited to chat. Um, I know we we kind of hopped around a little bit and uh, I'm glad we landed on today. So let's jump in. Um, you know, I think at the beginning, it's always helpful for people just to get to know you a little bit. So could you tell us a little bit more about your story and kind of what brought you to what you're working on with Sardine? Yeah, sure thing. Uh, so uh, my my background is in uh, fighting some sort of uh, uh, cybersecurity or internet theft uh, for the longest time. So I have a PhD in network security, um, and then my first five years of career was in cybersecurity. Next five years and fighting ad click fraud for ad tech companies, and then the last seven eight years has been all about payment fraud. Uh, so most recently, uh, I was heading uh, fraud and risk for Coinbase for about four years, 2015 to 2019. And then afterwards, I was heading financial crime globally for Revolute. Uh, and we started Sardine uh, uh, two and a half years ago. The Revolute is where I met my two co-founders, Aditya and Zahid. And Sardine is um, all about safer, faster payments. So, uh, you know, uh, as there would be, uh, you know, newer and faster payment methods, such as, you know, Zelle is one of them right now, RTP, or real-time payments in the U.S. just taking off, Fed now in the future. And, of course, we have all the, uh, the new primitives, such as crypto uh, or, you know, uh, new banking as well. So we think that in all these efficient ways of moving money, uh, the the most of the friction arises from fraud and compliance issues, and Sardine is all about making that friction disappear. Very cool. So, tell us a little bit more about Sardine. I know there's kind of a a few a few things going on with the company. So, can you tell us a little bit more about what you guys are building specifically? Yeah, absolutely. So, we offer uh, three products today. So uh, the first product is our risk platform, which is really fraud and compliance in one unified API and one contract. So uh, it's in, in use by about 150 plus fintech and crypto companies, right? Such as, you know, FTX, uh, they use us for payment fraud, uh, Brex, one of the largest neobanks, Airbase, Digit, Copper, et cetera, on the, on the, uh, on the fintech side. Uh, and then the second product uh, is our uh, crypto on-ramp slash NFT checkout. Uh, so today you can buy uh, crypto using Sardine's on-ramp. 
uh, on MetaMask as well as the Brave browser and um, about 10 different other platforms. And on NFTs, uh, we powered Tom Brady's NFT drop on Autograph. And our thesis with crypto and NFT checkout is that, uh, yeah, number one, uh, that industry suffers from very, very low conversion rates. When you try to purchase crypto using a card today, you get maximum 60 to 70% conversion rate. And uh, we are all about uh, increasing that conversion rate from that 60, 70% to uh, as high as we can. And the reason why uh, the conversion rates are so low is because uh, because of fraud. Uh, uh, the issuing banks whose cards you're using, they don't do a great job at fraud prevention, and we want to change that. And the second thing that we've done is uh, we are very uniquely uh, differentiated in offering an instant ACH on-ramp to crypto. So you can connect to your bank account, do KYC powered by Sardine, and Sardine takes on the fraud risk and allows you to uh, purchase crypto using your bank account, which we instantly deliver. And now the third product, which is uh, uh, something we just recently announced, we call it Risk Insights. That is all about uh, uh, you know, bringing TradFi, or traditional finance, uh, together with uh, new finance being crypto and fintechs. So remember, as I said earlier, right? Like today when you use your card to purchase crypto, uh, you know, only 60, 70% conversion rate. The reason is that the issuing banks don't really have very good visibility into uh, how uh, you were actually purchasing crypto at an exchange. Did you copy paste your card number, uh, which would be bad, or you know, did you actually get it autofilled by the browser, right? Which is, which is what a valid user would do. So what our viewpoint is that we can actually provide uh, that visibility uh, all the way to the issuing banks so that they can increase the conversion rate and don't lose uh, or don't, don't put, uh, lose money that, uh, uh, that they're losing today. I would argue that the 30, 40% of users who they're declining are not really fraudsters, right? And I can get into more details, but those are the three things we do. Yeah, super interesting. So let's take maybe that first one of of fraud where as an outsider, right, it seems like such a massive problem to tackle where as a category, I can imagine there's, there's so many subcategories and permutations of popular frauds and emerging frauds, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. So how did you guys take a step back and think about how to tackle this kind of massive problem at Sardine? Some of the earliest thinking about what would make the biggest kind of differentiated difference. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so, so one of uh, uh, one of our key observations was that uh, yeah, we when we started, we started with uh, only focusing on payment fraud, and our uh, our our thesis is that. Uh, in the world of uh, payments, especially payments into high-risk industries such as crypto, or when you're really just using a card or a bank to load money into a new bank wallet, then fraud is is the product, right? Like if you don't solve for fraud very well, then your conversion rate will suffer because fraud and conversion rates or fraud and growth are just two sides of the same coin, right? So we decided first and foremost that we'll only focus on this, you know, uh, vertical of fintech and crypto. Right. And there have been many, many fraud prevention providers in the e-commerce world. But our observation was that in e-commerce, uh, you can solve for fraud by looking for uh, shipping address, shopping cart, etc. signals, right? Like suppose I, Tanner, I stole your card. 
I'm going to quickly go to Best Buy and buy the, the, the highest dollar valued smart TV and then ship it to a drop shipping address, right? Sure. But, but when it comes to loading money into a digital wallet like a Revolut or to buy crypto uh, you know, at a Coinbase using your bank account, you don't have those signals of shipping address and shopping cart. All you have is users' behavior and uh, their identity information. For example, if I'm entering my social security number, I'm going to type it very quickly from long-term memory. But if I stole yours, then I will do what is called segmented typing. I'll type one character at a time and then context switch, come back and type, right? Similarly, if I uh, am impersonating you, I'm not going to reveal my own device information. I'm going to use a, uh, a mobile emulator, uh, which every time I delete it and reinstall it, I get a new device ID. Further, I won't use my own IP address. I'm much more likely to use a proxy or a VPN. So therefore, what Sardine does is we really, really focus on user intrinsic behavior, like how are you typing, how are you moving the mouse, how you swipe, scroll, tap, how you hold the phone, and uh, use all those signals to make fraud prevention uh, much more effective. Super interesting, yeah. So before looking forward, I, I want to look backward a little bit to where what were some of those earliest challenges at Sardine back in 2020 when you guys launched and how have you guys solved for some of those early ones? Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, so some of the earliest uh, challenges when we launched as a company was really just trying to differentiate our product, right? Uh, which is where going back to my answer earlier, right? Like we said, okay, we'll only focus on FinTech and crypto uh, and in order to do that very well, we have to just get really, really world-class in building the best device intelligence and behavior biometric solution, right? Uh, <clears throat> and my, my co-founder, Zaheed, uh, he, he's the brains behind it. He comes from uh, you know, PayPal and Uber, where he was the device PM at those places. So he has a you know, wealth of, uh, uh, <clears throat> uh, he, he has the right background and the expertise in order to build it. Uh, the, the second challenge was, you know, uh, <clears throat> we, uh, back in 2016, 2017, when I was at Coinbase, the, the fastest growing fraud attack vector was social engineering scams, right? So you would, mm. you would actually get called uh, by someone random uh, saying, hey, you know, uh, I'll help you uh, double your money by you know, investing in crypto. I'm a crypto investment advisor, et cetera. And then... They, they typically target the, the, the elderly and uh, those oh, folks, yeah. they fall prey to it. They would then convince them that, hey, why don't I help you create an account at a crypto exchange? So you would oftentimes see that, you know, KYC will check out because it's the victim doing their own KYC, IP address, device ID, all other behavior patterns, they do check out. But then later on, the elderly victim realizes that they were duped because the crypto never arrives in, arrives in their wallet. It actually ends up in the scammer's wallet, right? So then they would come back and do a chargeback, right? So I, I tried very hard to find a solution which could help us. I couldn't find any, which is why we, when we started Sardine, we said, okay, we're going to focus on just detecting this. And uh, uh, glad to say that, you know, we built, uh, you know, the one and only solution which uh, can do this because what our observation was that oftentimes uh, scammers are convincing victims to install remote software sharing tools or remote screen sharing tools such as SteamViewer, AnyDesk, Citrix on the desktop or even on the mobile. And then they can remotely control the victim's screen. They can, you know, 
uh, take over control. They can start typing. They can start moving the mouse on their behalf. Uh, <clears throat> they 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 can you know uh, 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 literally walk them through the whole process, right? So that is that is the key um, that we use to actually uh, uh, detect such types of scams real time. In real time, we can tell you if someone is using a screen sharing tool. Right, and we've been successful at stopping this fraud vector, at you know, uh, at all our crypto exchange customers in real time. Yeah, super interesting. So, I got a chance to read the generalist did a piece on Sardine, and um, as a side note, if anyone is interested in learning more about Sardine, I th- I thought that was a really great deep dive, and I it really informed kind of my education about Sardine. Um, but there's this line that says, uh, if Sardine could better detect and prevent fraud, it could also earn the opportunity to handle payments. So in kind of in light of that thinking, I'm curious, what is the five-year vision where I'm, I'm kind of just arbitrarily anchoring around that five-year number? But if things continue to accelerate for Sardine, um, are there any obstacles you're foreseeing or any op- opportunities you're excited about? Absolutely, yeah. So our vision is that, you know, uh, uh, we want to be one of the first payments companies which takes fraud really, really seriously. And we actually want to indemnify our merchants of the fraud losses, right? And uh, the second uh, uh, part of the vision is this following observation that I have had that uh, most of the, the networks, the payment networks that you see, uh, Visa, MasterCard, uh, real-time payments, Zelle, uh, FedNow when they launch. Uh, they are all about message passing, right? They're all about connecting senders and receivers. They they don't want to take liability. They uh, really just uh, intermediate the liability between the sender and the recipient, right? Uh, but we think that, you know, that paradigm has to shift because, you know, if there's no one stepping in to take the liability of fraud, then it just becomes a game of ping pong. And, you know, eventually fraud rates still continue to rise because no one is backstopping it. And secondly, the customer experience suffers because customers do get scammed all the time and no one's stepping in to stop it, right? So we think that in the future, five, 10 years from now, in the world of faster payments or real-time payments and a world of, you know, uh, multi-payment rails, there has to be one entity which you know uh, connects all these rails, takes on the fraud risk, and you know uh, it, uh, essentially makes the customer experience much better. Yeah, that's really interesting. This is actually uh, I'm really interested in one component of this, where on the payment side of things, you guys instated a, an indemnification policy. Is that right? Where essentially Sardine takes responsibility for any chargebacks and returns the customer incurs while using the product. I'm curious if you could talk a little bit more about what went into that decision and how those conversations how those conversations sounded early on. Yeah, no, absolutely. So yeah, we we uh, we offer uh, fraud uh, indemnification to all our customers. Uh, the way we offer it is, you know, uh, it's really a pricing mechanism. The end product is the same, right? Whether you buy fraud score. Uh, from us, or you buy the fraud indemnification product. Uh, underneath the hood, the product is the same. The fraud indemnification part of it is just the pricing mechanism, where you know based on uh, your prior 
history of fraud returns will give will quote you a price which will be in basis points. Whereas the fraud scoring product, we offer it you know on a per user per per transaction basis, right? Uh, <clears throat> So uh, the fact that we are able to, you know, uh, literally put our money where our mouth is by offering a fraud indemnification product gives a lot of confidence to our uh, customers, and uh, you know, just just uh, 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 you know makes them be a believer in in, in sardine. Right. Right. Yeah. Super yeah. interesting. So the generalist piece also talks about this kind of longer term vision of basically a flywheel effect between fraud prevention, better payments, broader customer base, and more data via insights, kind of, you know, uh, all powering, all powering in a cycle where, mm-hmm. could you talk a little bit about that strategy and how it's, how it's developed over time? Maybe it's kind of inception and and how that's going so far. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, uh, <clears throat> so in high risk payments, uh, as I, as I uh, was alluding to earlier, you know uh, the conversion rates when you're loading money into a into a new bank wallet or when you purchase in crypto uh, using cards conversion rates are low uh, then people then they think that okay maybe i can use ach in order to do that but then in ach you know no one actually uh, takes on the fraud liability right uh, at least in the case of card networks visa and mastercard are trying to intermediate it between all the parties but in the case of ach no one even does that so then you're back to square one, right? So that's where we said, okay, uh, let's do let's do a really really good job at solving for fraud first, uh, and then you know uh, we can start moving money as well, especially in those high risk scenarios. Uh, uh, so today we already offer uh, payments, uh, you know, where we can settle into crypto or we can offer NFTs. In in future roadmap, we'll also uh, move money such that it can land into a checking account. Right, we already do the fraud scoring uh, when you're loading money into a checking account or a new bank wallet today. But later, we'll also move the money. Uh, and then, in terms of the uh, the flywheel uh, for you know where does risk insights fit in? What we quickly realized is that uh, you know uh, uh, we we have now probably integrated with all the all the 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 largest uh, and most uh, important. Uh, data partners and data consortiums out there, right? In order to do our fraud prevention, we integrate with about uh, 20, 30 different data providers, you know, about, you know, email risk, uh, about, you know, social media accounts tied to email, uh, you know, information from the telcos about who's the phone number registered to, info, information from the credit bureaus about your identity, information from various bank consortiums, as well as card bin blacklists. And our observation was that you know, uh, you know, now that we uh, we have already integrated all the largest data providers, you know, uh, the w- w- in order to really continue to r- uh, reduce fraud rates even further, uh, it is imperative that we go and build our own sort of data sharing initiative, as in bring in parties who are not necessarily sardine customers, bring them in such that you know we have this effective data sharing going on amongst all the parties. And I'll give you uh, an example to motivate it. So, uh, you know, today all the big banks, they share data with each other uh, via consortiums such as early warning systems, right? Which is owned by the top seven banks in the US. So therefore, if you have a stolen Bank of America account, uh, you couldn't walk in into a Chase and, you know, uh, uh, move money from that stolen BOP account into Chase because 
chances are high that they uh, B of A and Chase have shared the info, that information with each other night mm-hmm. uh, overnight. However, you could take that stolen B of A account and connect it to a Chime and load money into Chime, and then immediately take the Chime account and uh, you know load money from Chime into uh, into let's say uh, uh, Digit, and then from Digit into uh, Copper, and so on. Right. So now. Uh, there's this uh, unbroken chain, right, uh, which is what a fraudster is using to continue to launder the money. And our argument is that because fintech neobanks are not sharing this information amongst each other, number one, and number two, they are not participating in the existing bank consortiums. So that is leading to this, you know, uh, visibility gap, which fraudsters are exploiting. So we want to change that visibility gap by bringing fintech neobanks and banks together into more effective data sharing. Love it. That's super interesting. So in in some of my research here, I came across a quote from Angela Strange, who for anyone who doesn't know, she's a GP at Andreessen Horowitz. And she says Sardine's early positioning was almost uh, too crypto, but the bigger Mm -hmm. customer, the biggest customer set is not actually crypto. And, you know, we're a Web3 focused podcast. So, you know, that that obviously would pique my curiosity. I, I guess I'm curious can you share what that pivot beyond crypto looked like and some of the thinking there? Yeah, no, so absolutely. So we, uh, uh, we as a company are riding two waves, right? So one is uh, efficient payment rails via new banks, et cetera, right? Uh, and then the second, uh, which is the, the whole wave about, you know, like Angela Strange has very uh, aptly said that uh, every company will be a fintech company. We just added a caveat over there. Uh, that yes, every company will be a fintech company unless fraud doesn't kill them first, right? Mm, so that's yeah. wave number one. And then the wave number two is that, you know, uh, what Simon Taylor, who's on our uh, uh, team as the head of content, uh, you know, he, uh, him and his team at 11FS, they had coined this uh, term uh, crypto mullet, right? Which is basically that, hey, uh, most fintech infrastructure companies will use crypto in the back end without you actually realizing it. Right. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, fintech in the front end, crypto long hair in the back end. Right. <laughs> yeah. Super so uh, so therefore, yeah, like our thesis is that these are just uh, new ways of moving money, both fintech and crypto. We don't really differentiate between them uh, when it comes to, you know, our, our fraud and compliance product. Right. But what we realize is that, you know, when uh, you're moving money from these traditional financial institutions via the traditional rates such as ACH wires or cards, and you're trying to move it into the new rails of new bank wallets or crypto, there's a lot of friction. And we are all about removing that friction. And all the friction, of course, is because of fraud. Yeah, I love it. Okay, so kind of nearing the conclusion here, but a couple last questions. I like to basically ask everyone who comes on the show. So what's what have been the biggest surprises in your journey since founding Sardine? The biggest, uh, like... Uh, Aha moment uh, slash surprise for us was the realization that you know the embedded the embedded finance uh, movement is really really global in nature, right? Mm. And uh, you know just after we launched our seed announcement uh, roughly a year and a half ago, right? Um, uh, first and foremost, I had actually delayed announcing the seed announcement because uh, we wanted to be in stealth. Uh, so I delayed announcing it for the longest time. That was a mistake. I should have announced it early because the moment we announced, you know, we started getting contacted by, you know, 
companies all over the world who wanted to solve for fraud. And these were all neobank uh, uh, companies all over the world. We had companies from Nigeria contacting us, companies from Turkey contacting us. Yeah. Uh, and that, that just made us realize that, you know, uh, uh, people all over the world are realizing that, you know, uh, with, with increasing globalization, I should be able to move my money uh, as fast as I make uh, send an SMS or make a phone call uh, quickly, mm-hmm. right? So everyone is very, very aligned in that vision worldwide to to make uh, banking be cross-border, banking be more efficient. Yeah, I love it. So next question, uh, what advice do you have for any founders who are building kind of during this bear market, kind of high, high macro uncertainty time? Yeah, no, absolutely. This is the best time to build. Crypto winters are uh, absolutely the best times to build. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> because most of the distraction, which is associated with uh, the movement of price or price of any uh, crypto token, you know, uh, you know, swinging wildly, all of the distraction is is, is gone. Uh, and I, you know, uh, uh, I'm a long-term uh, believer in crypto and NFTs and DeFi. And I think these are uh, the absolutely the best times to build things like, you know, uh, making cross-border money movement easier, faster using, let's say, stable coins or making sure that, you know, uh, there's still a lot of interest from brands who, who see NFTs as a new way of engaging with, uh, with the mainstream audience. But right. I would argue that, uh, that NFTs are still kind of hard to purchase, you know, like how can we make sure that a layperson can purchase an NFT, uh, you know, uh, without having to struggle through uh, installing a MetaMask wallet first, right? So there's still a yeah. lot of innovation that needs to happen over there too. Similarly, DeFi, right? Like, uh, uh, you know, it, there's still a steep learning curve when it comes to, you know, creating your own liquidity pool on a on a, on a a Uniswap or, you know, staking and uh, yield farming, et cetera. So, you know, and we need to make those primitives be much more accessible, maybe via direct fiat on-ramps into those protocols, right? So I think this is the best time to be building. Yeah, super interesting. Okay, Supes, uh, last question here. What are you guys working on right now and what is the best way for people to follow along on the journey? Yeah, so we are uh, we are working along all the three axes or the three product areas that I mentioned earlier. So, you know, enhancing our uh, risk platform by adding more uh, features around case management, uh, you know, uh, uh, graph visualization or network graph visualization tools, et cetera. Secondly, on the uh, crypto on ramp slash NFT checkout product, you know, we support today uh, instant ACH uh, uh, and cards, but we'll be adding other payment methods internationally. Uh, and then thirdly, on the Risk Insights product, we are now bringing together like a, a group of folks uh, from the, the various networks, such uh, as well as big banks and crypto exchanges. We had our first fraud working group meeting uh, the evening before money 2020 in vegas which was uh, two weeks ago we'll be having the second one uh, uh, in q1 next year so if anyone wants to join that feel free to reach out directly uh, my email is uh, soups at sardine.ai and you can also follow us on uh, twitter uh, at sardine perfect soups thank you so much for the time i'm really was looking forward to this chat and uh, i'm excited to see everything that happens over the coming Uh, weeks and months. So thank you for your time. Have a great upcoming weekend here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Tanner. Really enjoyed the conversation. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you.